0: What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm Paul. This is Pauline Theology, man, and we are continuing on our study in Ephesians, and we are on the last part of the household codes, man. We're on the uh, the masters now. We talked about the slaves last week, or last week, I'm sorry, last episode, and now we are uh, we are on masters. Um, and last episode was a difficult episode. It was hard, and we're going to continue in the the vein of thought of those things. But we're gonna see it in a different perspective now. Uh, so, if you haven't read the, the the if you haven't read it yet, go and check it out. See six nine Ephesians, and then uh, stop the tape. You know, do all that, come back. We'll answer the four questions if you've already read it six nine. Well, let's jump on in and answer the questions, man. It says, what does it say? The first question is, well, what does the the scripture actually say? What's Paul saying to the people of Ephesus? Uh, he says, uh, masters, you do the same to them. You do the same to them. He says, giving up threats, knowing that uh, the Lord of you and him is in heaven. And he didn't show any favoritism to him. So what's Paul saying is, first off, he's placing the slave on the same level as the master. He's letting the master know the slave is on the same level. And remember, these letters, I don't know if you should remember or not. I mean, I'm telling you to remember, but I don't know if I've actually said this, but this letter is being read out loud in front of the entire church. And so all the people who gather there are there listening. And these are how the letters, all the letters of the, the, the scriptures were given to the churches and read. And so all the time when these letters are read out loud, it's not they're per, not personally reading them. They are in the front of the church like a sermon, I guess, in a way, and they are explaining the letter. And the, who some, some people, I guess, would even say the person who brought the letter is probably explaining it a little bit more, not just reading it, but kind of going into detail of what Paul is trying to say. So when he is saying this to the, the, the masters, the slaves are hearing it. And so they're they're being held accountable. But at the same time, that's why I said when he says he's giving all of these people dignity by announcing them, speaking to them directly and not to the, the head of the household. He's like, everybody is hearing this. Everybody. And so in the, in the last episode, we talked about how everybody will receive back what he has done, if it is good, whether slave or free. The master heard that. And so as the, the master is is there Paul addresses them and says, in front of everybody, that there there is no difference, man, between the master and the slave. He says, God shows no favoritism. Your social status, it, it doesn't matter. Your uh, social or economic status, it doesn't matter. Your gender status, it doesn't matter. Right, whether you're male or female, slave or free, Greek or Jew, it doesn't matter. We talked about how it says faith without works, or I'm sorry, not faith without works, but it says that it's by grace you were saved through faith and not by works. And then we talked about that this idea of works is not just the law, but it is actually maybe the ability to do something, your social status. It could be how you were born, anything that made you think of yourself or consider yourself as more fit for the gift that God was giving. Because there was an idea of what gifts were, and that a, a a good gift giver gives gifts to people who are worthy of those gifts. Like for some reason, they had some kind of ability or some kind of status that would deem them worthy to receive this gift. But Paul crushes that idea when he says that it is not by works, that there is not a status or a, a position or a skill that you've possessed. Therefore, you get this gift. It's because of God's favor. And so it. since it's because of God's favor that you get this gift, that means that in the kingdom, you are all equal. That's why it says that, man, there is is a, a, a breaking down of this hostility between the Jew and the Gentile. And it is a creation of a new man. And this new man, everyone is in the kingdom. Now they get gifts according to how God proportions them, how Jesus proportions them out to us. And in those ways they serve in though in that manner of the proportion that they get. But as that is only by the gift of God. And so everybody has equal worth in the kingdom. And that is what Paul is stating to the master. Now let's get back to what he says. He says, You do the same. It says, you do the same to them. And so what does that mean? Well, a lot of scholars actually think that it means that you serve the slave. This is very, very unheard of. A master serving his slave? What is this? Well, I think it comes from the principle of what Jesus said, is that leaders in in power don't do what the people, the Gentile, or the Gentiles do, the Greeks and the Romans do. They don't lord it over them, but they serve them. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you serve. If a master wants to be great in the kingdom, he serves his slaves. Because it goes back to what we talked about before. All of this is stemming from when Paul says that we should be submitting to one another. That part of what we talked about, how we're filled with the Spirit, Is by submitting to one another. Well, Paul is bringing this submission into play for the master. He says, you do the same. You serve them well, treating them as if they were part of the kingdom because they are. Because they are. But then he continues to explain a little bit more of what this do the same is. He says, stopping threatening them. And so he really, what do you call that, uh, uh, takes away their ability or power as masters over the slave when he says this. Because as masters, the, the slave could do whatever they want, beat them, whip them, or what, take away their family. Like if they wouldn't obey, he could threaten them by saying, I'm going to uh, remove your children, sell them, or your wife. Sell, and They don't have wives. They can't. They're not allowed to marry. But he says, I'll remove your, your significant other. I'll I'll, I'll remove them. I'll take them away. I'll use you as some kind of tool that you don't want to be used for. All of those things is what the master had the ability to do over the slave because they were under their complete submission. But Paul says this, as a Christian, as a person of Christ, there's no threatening. None. There's no threatening your slaves with anything. The way you get them to uh, do what they're supposed to do, that you want them to do, that you desire for them to do, is you serve them. You treat them the same as uh, I have called them to treat you, which is punctuated by no threatening. And then he says this, he says, knowing that that we have the same Lord, that we have the same, the, the same king in heaven both of them where he's saying that he's saying that you as a master have a master and that master desires for this to be happening he desires for you to be serving and with this idea comes what uh, it's called a, a manumissions and so a little quick thing on that is that as um, as as Paul has been seeking to not change the government or the laws, because laws don't change hearts. He's seeking to demonstrate the worth of the slave whom they thought before had no worth, save as a tool. And as they begin to do that, then they begin to see them as brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll see that uh, if we go through Titus, which we probably will sometime, or not Titus, I'm sorry, as as we go through Philemon, um, that he is calling for these people to see them as more than just tools, but as human beings dignified because they're brothers and sisters in Christ. And with that, man, there had been a lot of releasing of slaves to be freed. Now there's a whole discussion on that stuff that we can get into, which I cannot even, we don't have time. We're already a little long on this one. And so we need to get into the, the, the other questions. But man, with this what Paul is doing when he's speaking to the slave and the master in their context, he's teaching them how to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. So, what's this saying about God? I think this is saying that God desires that we treat his image bearers with all worth and value. Like, man, we are dignified. We are all dignified because Christ has given us dignity, God has given us dignity. And so that is the desire of God. What about man? What does it say about mankind is that we should see people as God sees people. If God doesn't show any partiality, then we are not to show any partiality. We should not distinguish one over another because of some uh, uh, status or position that they are in. God doesn't see that, man. He knows and he loves us. Because of who we are. And so as the same way, we as brothers and sisters should know and love each other, regardless of our economic, social, uh, ethnic, any other kind of thing that could separate us. Because that wall has been broken. How do we apply these truths to our lives? Well, give dignity. Simple as that. Give dignity. See people as they should be seen. And I mean, if you if you if you have something harbored in your heart, and I know you would know, I would not know, but if you have someone harbored in your heart against a certain class, race, group, status, break down that wall and recognize that God desires for them to be in the kingdom. And if He desires for them to be in the kingdom, then they have worth, and we should break. The, the the bounds, the chains of this anger or this, this uh, um, whatever it is that's in us, this sin and we should reach out the bond of fellowship so they might know God and if they already know God that they might know him further the love that he has for them the inheritance that he's called them to and the purpose that he has for their lives I appreciate you guys for listening I'll see you on the next episode as we go into the armor of God.